that shot my paw. <laughs> this truth ain't big enough for the two of us. In a world where one man's truth is another man's legend. Dun 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 dun. dun. I got six bullets, and they all have knowledge on them. I'm gonna shoot them right between your mystery eyes. <laughs> Only one man has the courage to stand up for what's right. My name, well, my name is David Flora. And I'm his plucky sidekick, Dave Stacko. (laughs) (laughs) And I reckon this here town is called (laughs) Photos. Yeah! (laughs) Welcome to the the Wild West of Mystery. That's right. Facts don't go around here, savvy. <laughs> Why, Johnny Ringo? You look like someone just crossed over your grave. You know, that's an interesting history to that belief. It's a superstition. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome. Welcome hey, to the blurriest of photos podcasteries. We, we've, got, uh, we've got six shooters of goodness here for you. We're going to go right at the unknown. Oh, yeah. Gonna bust in that saloon exactly, and all of a sudden the guy playing the jingle jangle uh, piano is gonna stop. Piani, the the piani, and we're gonna take the the drunken idiot of of misunderstanding and slide him down the bar through everybody's drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're all gonna catch got- the, the we're all gonna catch the clap of understanding from the hookers <laughs> from in the, the back. The bordello. <laughs> <laughs> Get the doctor. Hey, Doc. Got the clap of knowledge again. (laughs) Well, uh, we're we're continuing our our flawless takeoff of of podcast. uh, That's right. Starts here for you. We're so good at this. Hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, Good show for you lined up. Yeah, we're excited about this. Uh, this one's an interesting subject here. It is, and we have we've decided to to pack up our mystery machine and take a quick flight to South America. In Peru. Machu Picchu. Nice. I was gonna say no leprechauns. Uh, this episode, we are uh, we're going to be talking about Nazca lines, mm-hmm. you guys. Nazca lines. This is something that that is out there in the world. It's it's not uh, completely unknown or, or foreign to a lot of people. A lot of people may have heard of it. Uh, some of you may not have. Uh, so that's uh, that's what we're talking about it tonight. They're real interesting. They're really interesting uh, culturally. They're interesting archaeologically. They're mm-hmm. interesting, and they. This is one of those uh, those fun things that it shows up in. Other arguments. It shows up in ufology. Yep. It it shows up in uh, alternate histories, uh, fingerprints of the gods type stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's it's good. This is in in, in just on its own. This ain't no side dish, dog. <laughs> it's a main course. Mm-hmm. This is a meal for a man or a woman. This it fills the plate. It fills it fills you up. It fills your soul. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about what they are, why maybe they are. Yeah. Theories that people have about Who them. done made them? Yeah. What's that all about? <laughs> What's Nazca all this line? business with dirt pictures? 
This episode on Candy Chat, we're going to talk about pictures made in pixie sticks dust. You know, I'd be very interested if they made Nestle lines. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible. Oh, you're just the worst. Hershey ain't got nothing on them. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes I just dump my Nesquik out and I just draw with it my finger. (laughs) Ooh, that's really delicious. Nesquik lines. Nesquik lines. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Y'all seen uh, Wreck-It Ralph? There's so much candy in that movie. <laughs> I get it. This, we, know, it's, it's, we're never going to get to the Nazca lines now. <laughs> Sarah Silverman's usually so filthy, but she was oh, crying. Wow. We get it, Sarah. We think you're great. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Pass the peas. Oh my God! Well, <laughs> nope. That's it for uh, Nazca lines. Yep. Thanks for listening. See you guys later. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Yeah. Can- candy trap is a trap. Is candy trap? <laughs> candy trap is a trap. It is. Is what I was gonna say. And it yeah. came out candy trap. So well, that that was a Freudian slip there because you're right. <laughs> it is a candy trap. All right, you guys. Seriously though, Nazca lines. Uh, they're located in Peru, South America. Yep. Associated with uh, a culture called the the Nazca, mm-hmm. there were people that that lived there. Um, Peru, uh, usually famous for the Incan civilization uh, in the Andes Mountains. Here's what they are: they're a, an elaborate system of gigantic geoglyphs that are dug into a plateau in the Peruvian desert uh, between the towns of Nazca and Palpa. They've been dated to uh, 400 BCE to 650 CE. Yeah. They, they think that they were made anywhere between that uh, time period. That's They're older than 600 years, if you can believe it. <laughs> if, you can, if you can let me dig that old crappy joke up. <laughs> the plateau, or Pampa, is over uh, 50 miles between the towns, and uh, it makes a, a nice little canvas to draw on that's almost 400 square miles yeah. of, of desert. Now, it's not just uh, any desert, though. It's way up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a high desert in the Andes. I mean, the the uh, elevation's about uh, 12,500 feet. Wow. That is that is up there. That's uh, that's around two Pikes. Miles. That's like top of Pikes Peak there, yeah. Joseph. Wow. These geoglyphs contain uh, hundreds of individual lines. There are, there are geometric figures, and there's uh, distinct drawings of animals, both native and non-native to the area. Which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were created by scratching away the dark red volcanic pebbles that are on the surface to reveal the pale yellow subsoil of sand and clay beneath them. Which is pretty lucky for them that they were that they just happened to live on a gigantic high altitude etch a sketch. Yeah, exactly. On the surface, uh, if you're if you're just standing out amongst them, it, it just uh, they appear as as shallow trenches, no more than six inches deep. But from the air and uh, surrounding hilltops, they form designs of, of things like birds, fish. M- there's a monkey, llama, lizard, spider. There's uh, even a human figure. And that's that's just to name a few. Yeah, there's geometric patterns yeah. as well. There's some uh, crisscrossing lines. Yeah, there's things that don't necessarily line up as geometric. Or, I mean, there's, there's one like the candelabra. Oh yeah, you know yeah. it's it's kind of neither. something that looks kind of like a Poseidon's trident or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, it's it's a design. It's a it's a, I, obviously you know they they tried to do a thing, but what that thing is, who knows? Yeah, 
Uh, and, and you know what else is, is I think really interesting is uh, meteorologically, it's, it's anywhere else on earth and these things would have just been buried. Lost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just that they're, they're just, there's so little going on up there as far as rain events. There's no huge wind that's, that's redepositing this soil. So I mean it's it's amazing that that they that they've existed. Yeah, it's it's one of the driest places on earth. In fact, they only get about 20 minutes of rainfall a year. And with the uh with the darker stones absorbing the heat from the sun, they kind of create a, a buffer layer of of heat radiation just above the surface which protects the surface from wind. So there's like this this layer of of heat that nothing can get down to, so that that leaves things untouched on there. And also, the surface has a high amount of lime, which uh, hardens when mm-hmm. when there's uh, either dew or they get you know just the smallest amount of rain or anything. It'll harden and kind of glue the rocks in place. So because of this stable climate and all this stuff that's going on with that, the, those lines have been well preserved. Every time it rains, it just gets harder, just like life. Why? Are, what? What? Yeah, we're we're going. Leave old. the girl alone. <laughs> like like we. I don't know why we're so into these like tough guy voices. Yeah, it's, it's old west and film noir yeah. this time. <laughs> so uh, just to put things in a little bit of perspective for you, they have uh, an image of a condor that's been carved in there. That's uh, four hundred forty feet long. So imagine something that's two hundred and twenty feet. Now double it. <laughs> just to put that into some perspective. Thanks. You know that you know that thing that's 110 feet. Lay four of them end to end. My God. You know that thing that's four feet long. Yeah. How about 110 of them? Oh my God. Yeah, you had to do the math for a second, didn't 110? you? 110. But I'm right. Um, there's a monkey on there that's uh, 310 feet by 190 feet. Whoa, big monkey. And there's a, a human shape. Uh, on uh, one of them that's 104 feet long. So this is what, this is what we're talking about. These things are, are freaking huge. Yeah, they're gigantic. A little bit about the history of them. The, uh, there was a Peruvian archaeologist named Toribio Cespe who uh, first brought them to light in the early 30s. Uh, he spotted them while he's walking around the, the surrounding foothills. The full extent of them, though, wasn't apparent until the late 30s with the improvement of flight. Yeah, which makes a big difference. Yeah. I'm going to kill this. I'm going to kill something right now, early in the podcast. You hear this phrase over and over. Oh, they, these things were made that could only have been seen from, mm-hmm. from, from aircraft, from above. Right. That's, not, that's just patently not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these things are, were visible. There's other hills in the area. There, there are places from which these could be seen and, more importantly, planned. And so I just want to, just want to put that out there right off the bat, that these are not invisible unless you're flying over them. Right. I mean, this this uh, Toribio guy was was walking in in the hills that was surrounding them, and mm-hmm. that's and he saw them. Yeah, you can you can see them from the hills. Uh, they may not be full on spectacular like right. you would get from the air, but they are visible. There was a historian named Paul Kosak who is uh, an American. He gets credit for really studying them in the early forties, and then shortly uh, shortly after he started studying them, he met a German mathematician. Named Maria Reich, who uh, he challenged to study the lines with him. Now, a uh, sweet piece of irony. Uh, her name is Maria Reich. She was in Peru because she left Germany 
to avoid the Nazi party. She didn't like what was happening with the country. She got out of their way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a nannying job. She was uh, she was a student at the University of Hamburg. Uh, really smart. Yeah. Uh, very you know she just very driven. But she she did not like what was happening politically in her country, even though her last name was Reich, which was kind of interesting. And that's actually how she found herself in Peru. She took a, mm-hmm. a nannying job with uh, a family that had lived there, and she you know kind of set up shop doing translation work and things like that. So they this they got very fortunate to have this this very well educated and very focused woman show up. Yeah, and then when they those two meet, and uh, she immediately becomes uh, enthralled with these these lines and what they mean and stuff. So uh, by 1945, she she had moved to the town of Nazca so she could be closer to the lines and and actually devote more time to it and. When I say devote more time to it, I mean she devoted the rest of her life to their study. Yeah. She, Until her death in 1998, she lived there and studied those lines. Fun fact about her life. So uh, part of studying the lines is that she wanted to, to preserve them. So she was going to kind of clean them, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that she so she bought brooms. And uh, she actually got into a little bit of trouble for a while. Because the locals thought she was a witch because she was going through so many brooms. She went through so many brooms. They were like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ay, Dios mío. <laughs> El diablo. What, what is witch in Spanish? I don't know. Hmm. El crone. <laughs> Podcast All is right. over. All right. <laughs> Time for you to go home. Yeah, I, and it's embarrassing. I, I lived in Ecuador for a while, and I my Spanish is non-existent. Hmm. Did Boom. you know it at one time? No. You know what? I, I wasted my time. I, stu- I studied French in high school and college, mm-hmm. which I don't want to go to France at all. Yeah. No interest. Yeah. But their romance languages, they were close enough sure. that I could get through the day. Like, I would understand what people were saying to me approximately. I could count out money, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, no, no fluent Spanish speaker was I. Hmm. Besides, I, I was letting my hips do all my talking. And those hips don't lie. No, we've established that. <laughs> so I hope I hope that we get enough fans that someone's going to go through and see how many Shakira comments I make. And like, you know, like really like, to see how often Shakira shows up in this podcast about ghosts and, and Spring Hill Jacks. <laughs> She's everywhere. <laughs> what a delight. Good God. What, what a nice young woman. What a What a gift. <laughs> What a gift what a, that we've been given in Shakira. Gift of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the, the South Central Eastern Baptist Church. And today's sermon's entitled, What a Friend We Have in Shakira. What a gift the Lord has bestowed upon us <laughs> in this gyrating siren. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> gyrating siren. <laughs> <laughs> my soul have been saved by this she-wolf that's in the closet <laughs> amen but she wasn't a witch she wasn't she a witch was a very dedicated researcher who did a lot of great work really established the foundational research on the nazca lines yeah because of her the lines were declared a unesco world heritage site in 1995 and everybody knows you do not fuck with unesco <laughs> You don't, dog. Researchers have been able to replicate the lines accurately, though, with uh, simple tools and just some math and planning. They can they can make one of these things in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, it, not hard to do. No, it's kind of weird. 
that that's <laughs> something that can last a thousand years. You know, if you if you're willing to you know take a two week vacation, mm-hmm. stop at the Home Depot on the way, and boom, you've just you just yeah. Might. Pick up a, a a dowel rod and maybe some string and a a, a good high bristle quality broom. In uh, 2012, there were some Japanese researchers that opened a new research center. Um, it right sounds like there. you're setting up a pun right now. <laughs> kind of did. Yeah, no pun. They they actually uh, set up a center to study the lines for the next 15 years. That's awesome. So there's plenty of interest, and they're keeping on, keeping on. And you know, I I almost wonder because there are so many circumstances that that, that contribute to them still being around that that we can study them now. I wonder if there weren't more. I mean, there there are. I mean, there's mound builders in North America. Oh yeah. You know, they, there's there's huge other geoglyphs. You know, going all the way up into to, to North America. Yeah, they have them in Egypt. They have them in Malta, uh, Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. They got some mound buildings. Is that the there? big the big snake? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Chile, Bolivia. That they're all over the place. Yeah, and you wonder, like, wow, how many more were there? Mm-hmm. You know, these mm-hmm. were things that were created in areas that do get. Substantial rainfall or any any eroded for now now in Mississippi now the worst oh, thing you can hold do hold what, the the worst thing you can do is uh, build something you want to last forever unless it's a Mississippi spirit. But let me tell you let me tell you something about my friend goes by the name of Big Money. Now he got himself a couple of opinions. I tell you yeah, that. He did. You go ahead. You go ahead. You build yourself a man. You see what Big Money has to say. You get a pass from him. That man will be there forever. You don't get the thumbs up from Big Money. He gonna tear that thing <laughs> down in two weeks straight. Down. Oh, he sure Lord do. Go Rebs. <laughs> so that naturally leads us into <laughs> nothing has naturally nothing. led anywhere. <laughs> That leads us to why these things were built. These things, we've described them. We've tried to put them into context, tell you what they look like. Why were they built, though? What purpose do they serve? Scratching out pictures in the desert. Well, because it's awesome. It's like the world's greatest graffiti. Oh. If I had the ability to inscribe a giant dong on the moon that the whole world had to stare at, you best believe I would do it. There's no punishment that you could give me that would keep me from doing that. Yeah, but... um... What if you didn't even know what the moon was? What if you you had like stone tools and I well then I couldn't get to the moon. All right, but, but if I didn't have the moon and I had this 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 alp this high altitude low rainfall plateau that has like three inches of dark soil over like bright yellow soil that's a gigantic coloring book, I would not have made uh, a monkeys or hummingbirds. Oh yeah. Well, we'll see uh, their priorities lay in a different <laughs> different it, realm. You know what? It's it, it's different strokes for different folks. Yeah, Cultural exactly. differences make the world go round and I I you know, I, I guess I can't blame them for being primitive. They they're not as advanced to here in the in the new millennium to realize that the ultimate human expression is a giant dong. <laughs> <laughs> the the real reason is unknown. Nobody really knows why these things were drawn into into this desert. There's a slew of explanations that have come and gone, though, for, okay. for why these things are. Uh, going back to Kosak and, and Reich, they said it was related to astronomy, that the geoglyphs were like an observatory pointing to spots on the horizon where celestial bodies rose or set. Uh-huh. The equinoxes and the solstices, things like that. It was determined uh, once in the 60s and then again in, I think, 1990, that there was kind of insufficient evidence for that. That would only work if they had established 
a single point of perspective. Mm-hmm. Like if there was if there was something in in the in the middle, because depending on where you stand and look, you know they'll they'll point to different areas. Oh yeah, know? so you can have them point to anything, right? So so you would you would have to have some universally understood point of perspective. So yeah, I, I can see why why you could say well maybe maybe they knew that maybe for each creature it's different. Yeah. And so maybe those are like highly accurate, but without knowing that, it's 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 impossible to tell. They also said it could be constellations, but then again, you you get to the problem of you can look up in the in the night sky and make out any shape in the stars. You just find the the stars that match what you're looking for and draw whatever shape you want. So that kind of it's kind of like a, a good it's a good swing, but maybe a swing and a miss. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I get I get that. They, I mean, they still defend to this day, uh, followers of, of these guys and the, their ideas, they still defend this idea. But yeah, it's it's like not having a fixed point is, is really going to uh, to hinder that argument. It could, and maybe maybe they found a fixed point since then. I don't know. But um, just uh, plugging those glyphs into computer models and throwing them on the night sky, they had random and mixed results. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't quite match up. What else could it be? Could have been walking paths or uh, tracks for foot races. This this one's interesting. On the surface, it it kind of sounds lame to me that it's just oh people just walked around them. Well, why would they walk around them? What what purpose did that serve? And how do they? Why did they think that that that's what it was? I mean, they have different ideas for why they would have walked or run around them or any uh, stuff like that. Uh, one of the most interesting things I've heard is that some people have taken a cross-section of the soil and found that under the soil where it has been scraped away, the dirt is very impacted and very squished together. And then the soil on either side of that is is looser, much, much looser. So it looks like they have been impacted over and over and over in a way that kind of lends itself to saying, yeah, people walked on this over and over and over. Oh. They, they've compacted that soil down underneath there. Ultimately, why would they do this? What what would be the cause or why would people walk on here? It could be could be a religious significance. Uh, it could be a rite of passage, something like that. I've even seen where uh, someone said it could be shamanistic uh, in origin, that if you wanted to become a priest or a shaman of the culture you had to walk these paths mm-hmm. and then at the end you had to know what shape you had walked you had mm. to be able to tell and that was a way of in essence leaving the body to be able to see what uh, you know what that was or be able to tell so if you could tell it correctly then you know you progressed as, as a shaman or yeah, I, I read something very, very similar to that. It was a, a theory that there was almost uh, kind of a, a very large equivalent of the rosary beads. That walking the the pattern was it was a meditative exercise, mm. uh, and that people would would walk the the pattern in order to show uh, piety or respect, but mm-hmm. also uh, as a as a meditative. Thing. Yeah, exactly. As, as, a, as a way to occupy yourself while you focused within. Interesting. So that, like I said, on the surface, it seems seems kind of dumb. Oh, people just walking around these shapes. But then, when you put it in context like yeah. that, it, it that does make a lot of sense. I think. Here's one that was weird to me. Some some people say it could have been used for laying out threads for weaving. Now, apparently, there were a culture that was very uh, big on on textiles. Yeah, they had alpacas. They got cotton. Yeah, and they practiced mummification. 
and they would wrap their dead in these uh, long wrappings. So, so some people say that the textiles, the material was laid out along these patterns depending on social class or significance, importance in society and you know the i guess the the more important the glyph then maybe the more important person got the the wrappings out something like that does that make i mean i don't i mean like they would lay the 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 yarn out the the yeah isn't it it's it's weird to think about that way yeah it sort of makes sense but then again it's kind of like why right <laughs> why this way yeah like that that seems so over elaborate yeah more and, elaborate than it should be or in and, a way. Yeah, and if I mean I guess for some of the more geometric patterns maybe, but what what is the what is gained by making a uh hummingbird? Right, these are these are really irregular patterns and so that doesn't necess- it doesn't really They make- even have a whale on on there. I mean they have a Oh, uh, here's the thing. That they have a spider that's that's pretty famous. Somebody some people have have said that this spider is not native to this area the spider and and all of these figures they're very artistically stylized stylized exactly now for somebody to say the spider is not native to this area they're saying well there's a type there's a type of spider that's in the amazonian rainforest that is exactly like this has a small waist kind of thing it looks looks just like what they've drawn out here so they're saying well how did these people know about the spider that is very uh, hard to find in the Amazonian rainforest, even today, and and how to travel down across the Andes down to Peru, the coast. I don't know. And, and I, I mean, what is like to my mind? What is more likely that they found some exceedingly rare brand of of spider and and did this, or that they added a pair of legs to an ant? <laughs> yeah. Because everything else about this thing just screams ant all day. It's true. It's got what three sections of, of body? Yeah, there's the, for, the for... head, thorax, and abdomen. Weird. And and so it's and everything else about it just says ant. So I I don't know. And there's mm. that that weird runoff of one leg. Yeah, which they they are saying uh, is the reproductive organ of the spider. It's a special. <laughs> special thing that's only found on this spider apparently it's it's back right leg has this reproductive organ and and it's microscopic so how did they know that it was a... <laughs> okay I'm, I'm... so the thread the weaving thread it's kind of weird kind of weird but it's yeah. been put out there the most debated theory that's been put forth is by a swiss author by the name of eric von daniken I think we've mentioned before. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I was just going to say that. That does sound familiar. He claims that these things are runways for an ancient extraterrestrial airfield. Oh, that's why we've heard of him before. Ancient aliens. Yeah. He wrote wrote Chariots of the Gods. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, Chariots of the Gods guy. Yes. Runways. Interesting, interesting guy. He's very much a proponent of, of the ancient alien conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the they ancient would, alien they theory. Would, yeah, I was going to say, I think they would call it a theory. What do theory. you think of them teaching theories as fact in in schools? With this theory, it, it comes up with a couple snags here. First and foremost, people make the argument that if there are extraterrestrials that have mastered interstellar travel, 
how do they not have a vertical takeoff and landing ability capability? Uh, you know what? I will actually give you an answer to that question. Okay. They do. Oh. But no, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this from a fuel economy perspective. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that, you know, like it takes literally. So when you, when you launch a rocket into space, you have to get that rocket going in excess of 20,000 miles per hour in order to achieve orbit, which is huge. That's a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, functionally, and, and just because this matters, like orbit is, is, is a function of speed. It means that you're going so fast that you are falling towards the earth because of gravity, but the earth is curving away from you. Hmm. So you're constantly falling and that's how, that's what orbit is. That's how that works. Yeah. And in order to land again, say, take for example, the space shuttle, it gets up to, I think I want to say it's like 25,000, 22 or 25,000 miles per hour. It gets up there, but if it wanted to, if we, if we as a, a bunch of people wanted to have it land just like a rocket, we can do that, but you have to slow it down again. Hmm. And this is you're you're in you know low Earth orbit. To slow yourself down requires exactly as much fuel as it took to speed yourself up. Oh wow! And so what the way we've solved this problem? Because that means that now you have to take twice as much fuel. We barely can get into orbit with, with the fuel we have. It's just right. it's not as energy efficient. In order to land for free. Without having to spend fuel, we use the Earth's atmosphere to break. We use the friction of mm-hmm. the of the atmosphere mm-hmm. to break, which is why we need the heat shield and the tiles and everything. Oh, yeah. And so we just literally take a trip about three quarters of the way around the planet, just converting our kinetic energy into heat and just burning off our speed and using the atmosphere to slow us down, which is why the, the uh, space shuttle is a glider. Mm-hmm. It just glides in and it lands. It has no brakes. It has no extra fuel. It has no other options but to come and land. Hmm. And the same thing with uh, you know the Apollo capsules. Again, it used the the atmosphere to uh, to slow itself down. I mean, it could have just dropped straight down. <laughs> Wouldn't have worked out for the crew. Yeah. But we use that that atmosphere to slow ourselves down. So I will give that some some credibility because it, it is so much more fuel efficient to land using the atmosphere as opposed to just dropping down. True. Again, though, that is only if the extraterrestrials were using a fossil fuel type uh, propulsion system. True. Right. Um, and and I and I would I, I mean I I cannot believe I'm not really arguing on behalf of the ancient aliens guys. Oh, I I like it because m- most people don't. But consider again that any interstellar propulsion system, uh, and, and interstellar I mean like any any propulsion system that operates in space. Mm-hmm almost guaranteed wouldn't operate in atmosphere and vice versa. I mean, all of our jets work on burning the abundant oxygen in the air. Mm-hmm. When our rockets go into space, we have to bring oxygen with us to, to let them burn. So that's why you have things that they are developing now, solar sails, ion engines. Mm-hmm. Ion doesn't need uh, oxygen to, to do that, right? Right. No, you're just, you're just, ex- you're just Even, exciting. Uh, fission, o- engine, uh, fission or fusion engines. Right. Don't. Nope. They don't need it either. And so they're working on those things, but, and I, you know, again, since this is just nothing but supposition, you could say, oh, but they're so good at it that it would work in the atmosphere. A solar sail certainly isn't going to work in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ion engines that we've worked on wouldn't work in the atmosphere. They don't provide enough thrust. They provide an inordinate amount of, of, of thrust in a zero gravity environment. Yeah. No friction. Yeah. But when you're, yeah, when you're dealing with an in atmosphere, there's a lot more things on deck. I'm just saying. 
if if you you can't game what an what an alien civilization would have available it really could be that they are the greatest stellar voyagers in the universe but the engines that they're using to achieve that still are terrible at landing actually on a planet hmm. uh which makes me think well what if they have something that can manipulate electromagnetic force that you don't need to worry about any friction, gravity, anything like that. You're playing off the magnetosphere that we have around the planet anyway. Right. I mean, Electromagnetic energy is everywhere. Or they could find, uh, found a planet that's made entirely of peeps, and they have the most efficient peep-burning engines in the world, and that's what they use. Oh, I thought you were going to say that they didn't have to worry about landing because they just come through the atmosphere and let it drop and then bounce safely. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, you know, like you, that's the thing about the, the next uh, on planet bouncy castle. Um, you know, that, that's I, those kind of arguments. They don't really hold any water in, in either direction because you're like, oh, well, what would the aliens have? Apparently oh, really? peeps hold vodka pretty well. Did you hear that? No. You soak a peep in vodka for a few days and then you've got a nice tasty adult Easter treat. Is it? I don't want to eat a regular peep and I don't yeah, want to drink regular vodka. I'm, I'm not a big peep fan, so no. I'm not going to be trying that. No, but I, I am I am glad that we discussed this because I read a lot of Neil deGrasse Tyson and he's taught me a ton about space and rockets. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I just got to talk about that. <laughs> uh, the peep idea. Thanks, Mel Evans. <laughs> that comes comes to you straight from our friend Mel Evans. Is she, is she, uh, she a peep believer? Well, she, she knows the recipe to, to soak peeps and gummy bears and champagne, apparently. No way. Yeah. Listen to an hour with your ex. I don't I know do that they the talk time. about that, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I do all the time, and I've, I've not heard we're, any... We're friends, and, and it's come up, so... Well, we're just going to have to have a podcast dinner party, record the whole thing. You know what we're going to have to have? What? Candy chat. <laughs> With special guest, Mel Evans. Now, I know what you're thinking. Candy's for kids. <laughs> well, we've got some after-hours treats that'll really make your adult socks roll up and down. Not too late. I like to get up and watch Good Morning America. <laughs> well, you're going to have a screaming headache and you're going to spend all night rolling around in your own sick, Tabitha. Because if there's one oh. thing I know, once you smell liquor, you can't f***ing stop. Is that what happens, Betty? Because I thought that was you and you're talking to a mirror. <laughs> Snap burn. Snap burn. Oh, we do have fun. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> Your hair looks great. I just love that dress you're wearing. I cannot wait to get drunk from candy. <laughs> <laughs> candy chat. <laughs> we have spawned a genuine monster. <laughs> it is. It's a hydra. With Betty and Tabitha. <laughs> I, I feel like Betty's got better burns than Tabitha, for sure. But uh, I don't know. They both just get so angry. You know what else is is bad for the uh, the landing? There is the so- the soil is so soft it would make for a good landing pad, landing strip. Uh, it's also this this is something that people have argued. Uh, they say, well, it's in the middle of nowhere. Why would they want to go there? Blah blah blah. You know what? Um, the majority of of uh, northern Africa, vast desert. Right? Yep, they're figuring out that that used to be one of the most lush places on earth with a ton of water and uh, a rainforest yeah it's it's a huge huge thing that wasn't always the way we see it and that's yeah. that's hard for us to see you know and it's the same thing with the 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 quote-unquote runways there's a, a bias in your mind to see things the way you're accustomed to and so right. and so from the air yeah those look exactly like intersecting runways they they do yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean they were right. that doesn't mean that you you gin up a concoction of 
of, oh, and, and I'm going to further enforce my own bias by saying, oh, yeah, no, it's it's a runway for a, a, a futuristic alien race that lands their aircraft in the way that I'm comfortable with. Right. And I could board it myself. And, right. And as long as I pay Delta. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's in the same thing when you talk about these huge differences in time, you know, climates change and, and drastically sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, it would seem that for the last, you know, 2,000 plus years, the, the climate has changed very little in northern Peru. Right. But, you know, that's, again, why would they go there? I don't know. They're yeah, aliens. Who cares? Maybe that's, they, that's not something that's uh, an argument. Yeah. Maybe they're actually uh, robotic alpacas. <laughs> they love it. Like, that's it, right. their home. They're like, oh, thank God we found it. Look, we found um, these weird alpaca-shaped squishy things. <laughs> Let's land there. I don't know. That's why you, you just, it's, it's such an asinine thing to get into. Right, right. All that is. Uh, the explanation du jour, though, uh, the, the one that's, that's popular these days. L'explosion française. Is, uh, is that they were religious in nature. They, these things are, uh, the natives were dependent on water from the Andes. And they drew these uh, geoglyphs to encourage their deities uh, to produce water for them, or to make water available at least. The paths could have led to uh, spots to worship uh, the deities in the symbols themselves. So, could have been, because a lot of these either um, face the Andes or are very clear from, from the Andes, they think that, since that's where they got their water source to begin with, the things that they drew encouraged the water to come from them. I don't think it worked out very well. But, <laughs> but you know what, though? I mean, if you... I, I would always go with religion. You want to get a lot of people to put a lot of effort into a thing that no one's going to understand? Again. Baba da boo. Go Beckley Tepe. Yeah. The, the shamanistic uh, uh, walking rituals that we just discussed. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good call. Now, here's, here's some fun stuff that I read. There are local legends that spoke of an ancient culture that was older than the Nazca people, which is to us 2,000 years, right? And older than the Incan cultures as well. These legends included a white-robed, bearded white man who was kind of like a scientist healer figure that went around and uh, taught people all kinds of uh, technology and healed upon touch and, and preached to people to, to be kind to each other and to not fight, to not cause injury at all, either mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they spoke of an old civilization of uh, white men with auburn hair, and also a flood myth around the time. Huh. And uh, they're saying the lines could have been older than uh, than the Nazca and, and part of this civilization. And maybe they either continued, you know, the, through tradition that they, they didn't know why they were drawing these lines. They just did it because that's what they'd always done. Or they were there and they just left them alone or preserved them. It could have been a, drawn as a memorial to the flood, yeah, that's true. I mean, there is no arguing. We're gonna have to do flood myth. Oh yeah, there's the no thing. no getting away with that. It's it's like it's like gangrene at this point. Yeah, I like that. There was an American airline executive named uh, Jim Woodman who proposed a theory that the Nazca used hot air balloons to make these lines. He was actually able to replicate uh, a balloon from available materials and technology that they believed the Nazca had at the time. And he actually flew in this balloon for a little while. But, really? Uh, yeah, he put together the material 
and um, basically just dug a big pit, a uh, fire pit, and and filled the balloon with with that hot air and flew for a while in it. Huh. He was successful. It was All right. that doesn't matter in in the context of why these were built, but he showed that you know that's a possibility of of maybe why they could have been seen from the air or how they could have been seen from the air. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, yeah, I, I give full credit to that because, yeah. If you can you prove can, it. Exactly. Yeah. You can prove that it's possible, then why not? Why not? Uh, here's a fun one. They could be markers for subterranean water flow. The the trapezoids, they say, show how broad the, the streams of water were under the ground. Uh, zigzags show where they ended. Lines show the directions the, the water was flowing in. So it's, it's like underground rivers and things like that, mm-hmm. which would have been very important to them seeing as how they lived. These civilizations, they live next to the rivers in the area. Everybody has to, right? This, yeah, and this uh, desert is between uh, two rivers. It's it's basically the valley in between the rivers. Uh, and these civilizations lived along the riverbanks and stuff. Well, if they wanted more water, then why not look underground? You know, they, they could have looked for underground sources or whatever. They could have, the basic thing is uh, they're using the premise of dousing to, to find uh, the water sources, and that they drew these lines out of that. That's one of the the more kind of out there explanations of of why they were drawn. Hmm. I mean, which again, I, I, to these people, water, pretty big deal. Big deal. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that, those are some of the explanations of of why they're out there. None of them are spot on, hundred percent foolproof. None of them are completely dumb. <laughs> I don't think. I mean. Even like like you just discussed with the extraterrestrials and the landing strips, like discussing that in the way that we did even puts them up there at least with the textile uh, patterns. <laughs> yeah. In my mind. Right. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. So ultimately, nobody knows what these things are for. The Nazca as a, as a culture kind of died out and they think it may have been due to deforestation. That that they eventually the society yeah, could yeah, sustain they, itself. This anymore. is one of the the few South American cultures that we cannot lay uh, at the feet of the conquistadors. These guys took themselves out of the equation. Yeah. So um, I don't know. What do you? Uh, what What's your gut going with? Oh this man. One? See, you know what? I am actually really, I'm comfortable with a mystery. Like, <laughs> well, uh, just like Gobekli Tepe, we're we're comfortable with that being a mystery too. But, right. But if I got a pick, yeah, if I got a pick, who's, I'm, who's uh, your dark horse? Uh, on I'm, this? Uh, no, I'm going with the the. I'll be standing in the long line of religious significance. Uh, animal totems, uh, very popular in a lot of other South American cultures. Sure. Um, huge amounts of uh, iconography used. Uh, I I go with that. I just go with religious significance. Um, Would this be religious, as in um, wanting help from the gods uh, for the water, or or shamanistic? I'd go shamanistic. Uh, I think I think shamanistic because if you needed to track the water that's underground, you dig holes. And these people needed water. If there was yeah. water there, they dig holes. There'd be some holes found. And and keep in mind, these things are ridiculously well preserved. Yeah. So well preserved that they've actually found the stakes in some parts yep. that were nailed into the ground to help them in the creation of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if, and, and, and these things again are, are, they're not even six inches deep. So if at any point anyone had dug a hole to find water, there'd it, be some evidence. Yeah. And there has, there's been no, there's no shortage of people investigating this area. So I don't, I don't think the water thing holds because if you think there's water under your feet and you get t- 20 minutes of rain a year 
you're going to make a shovel. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a fun idea using, yeah. you know, the dousing idea right. and stuff. Yeah. But even, and I was, and if they were dousing, you'd see a ton of holes. <laughs> they, they have found some uh, pottery that's been broken along the sides of these things. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, that's, that may be lending itself to the idea that people were traversing them on foot and maybe just dropped a pot here or there. Whatever. Evidence uh, proves that they were clumsy. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I would have to go with uh, with the same front runner for for what they could be. You yeah. know, people. Uh, I, I like the idea of uh, priests of the culture or the shaman of the culture having to walk these as a as a ritual or a rite of passage for themselves, and and then figuring out what image they just walked. Right. I think that's I, fun. I, that's, I like that's that. Fun. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, ultimately, it's like a corn maze, but they didn't have corn. <laughs> Maze. They called it Maze. <laughs> maze, Maze? Maze, Maze. Billy Maze here for a Maze, Maze. It's amazing. Hey, folks. <laughs> Do you find it hard to find water in the desert? Do you want to be accepted as one of the upper echelons in your shamanistic community? You need Maze, Maze. My <laughs> Billy Maze. All right. Um, Sorry. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Nazca lines in a huge geoglyphic nutshell. High-altitude nutshell. <laughs> Well-preserved. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, uh, that's a classic mystery. I, I love to discuss that because I, think, I don't think anyone ever takes the time to just discuss the Nazca lines. It's always just like this. this hey, this, look at that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like people always just tack that onto their ancient aliens argument or or mysteries of the world. Oh, this is weird, and this is weird, and that's weird. Yeah. Nazca lines are weird. Moving on. Like yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we discussed that because it's a really good one and it's fun. Yeah. If you guys got any uh, uh, thoughts on what you know, if if anything's jumping out to you, like oh, as they're discussing this, this sounds like it may be something like this, not like the jackass theories that that they're throwing out there. Yeah. Yeah, send it to us. And speaking of jackass theories, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a few stones we left unturned here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we'll we'll man, I'm, th- I things things are are very incestuous. In right, I mean, in in this podcast realm that we're living in, all the ice creams mix them together. Yeah, exactly. There's 32 flavors, and you can't pick any one of them out from no, each other. No, it's it's just like the biggest 32 flavor Neapolitan ever. <laughs> And you don't, you can't even just dig out the part you like. But you can dig out some puns. Oh Lord! <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, Lordy. oh, you sure do. All right, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Kick it off. Yeah. All right. I'm, tough I'm, guy. Yeah, I am a tough guy. Well, you've got you've gotten to go first the last couple of times. Okay. So. Uh, it turns out that uh, archaeologists in Tennessee have uncovered a very large number three that was uh, previously covered by uh, trees. And it's 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 ancient, um, and uh, below it was the inscription of the Intimidator, and they realized that it was uh, an ancient uh, an ancient uh, <laughs> an ancient site, uh, and clearly someone could see the future, um, uh, recognizing the accomplishments of Dale Earnhardt. And it's called the NASCAR lines. <laughs> I'm impressed that you came out with Intimidator. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that's good. That lends itself to uh, the theory that it was, it was just a racetrack. Yeah, that's right. Of the gods, of the gods, of which Dale Earnhardt is one, and he came amongst man. R.I.P. Dale, and he taught us how to f- 
fucking rock. Never forget number three. That's right. And then he left. And what are we stuck with? Junior. Bobby Labonte. No. <laughs> Junior, number eight. Oh, yeah. You, you In tell, the Budweiser car. We yeah, don't want him. No. Just ask ask Hank Williams Jr. how much the world likes a junior. <laughs> F*** you, Hank Williams Jr. F*** you. You'll never be your dad. <laughs> and double f*** you to Hank Williams Jr. Jr., who is a real person peddling that bullshit. Wow, really? Yeah. Not even the third or the second? He probably goes it? by the that, third? but he's still Jr., Jr., Jr. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That came from the heart. I, I heard. <laughs> I felt. And he's not very busy. He might come here and try to fight me over that. Also, I've I've osmosed my NASCAR um, knowledge from my parents. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, what do you got for me? All right, I've got an ancient video game console. Oh, I love this. Called the Neo Geo Glyph. Oh, wow. That thing's really expensive. Is it? It's like those, Neo Geo was like six hundred bucks. Oh geez, I knew I knew one friend that had it. He played like there was a lizard game. They they tried to have a lizard as their their mascot, like oh, their their Mario, their Sonic, you know. Yeah, some lizard. I forget what it was. Dude, I didn't. I never yeah. knew anyone who had a Neo Geo. Your friend was like loaded rich because that thing was like ridiculous. It was, uh, but this isn't the podcast where we talk about old video games. But. Well, it it could be. I mean, I had a friend also who had a Sega Saturn. Oh, I I had a roommate who had the Saturn. And he even had like a weird import RAM cartridge for the controller. No, no, no. Oh, uh, I for... just I thought they had the replaceable. Uh, God, you're right. You're thinking of the Dreamcast. Not... I could be, but I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't think he had a Dreamcast. See, this, is how, this is how willing we are to get off the off the tracks here. Robert Baratheon, Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. I like the Neo Geoglyph. Neo Geoglyph. All right, all right. Um, if you're if you're in Peru. And uh, you're stopping by, you know, maybe you wake up and you, you step outside of your, your, your home on the high plateau and mm-hmm. you just fill your lungs with the ancient air of Peru. And to wake up in the morning, how about a nice steaming hot cup of Nescafe? <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. Hot, dry. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't Dark like, on top. Yeah, you don't have to mix it with much water. Light underneath. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, you know, uh, March Madness just ended. Great. great well, uh, it ended for me like a week ago. Well, great uh, tournament. Yeah. Fun, fun stuff going on. Uh, I've got a special basketball play that's Ooh. drawn up. Okay. Especially for this subject. Okay. It's called the Razzle Dazka Lines. Oh, I love it. Does one guy just like flop down on the floor and pretend to be a hummingbird? They uh, they just keep walking around in patterns. Oh yeah, intersecting uh, uh, trapezoids and I like. That. Oh, that's they they do a full court trapezoid. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I like that. I uh, I got. Uh, it's not even a bonus one because it's not even a pun. Okay, but since I was talking about NASCAR, uh, <laughs> there should be a degrading sexual position called a Rusty Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, I actually just know those off the top of my head. Oh, I do too. Somehow, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I know one that I've ever known has cared about NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. And I knew those things. Yeah. Sometimes I just sit and I get all Greg Biffled. Well, you okay? Check. <laughs> you checkmated me. You got me. All I, I checked know, you. I didn't checkmate you. You said you you knew more. You got more. I'm sure. No, that's it. Because I I always I always remember Bobby Labonte because for some reason I always hear it like Hank Hill's voice. 
Bobby Labonte. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I know Rusty Wallace. And I did not know that the Dale Earnhardt, there was a Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh. Although I, I kind of did because I originally wrote number eight. And then I looked it up to make sure I had the right number. And it was, it was number three. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, well. Yeah. <sighs> that's puns for you. That's <laughs> Them's just tricky. They'll get you. So, Look out. <laughs> puns will bite you. It's like your pit crew needs work. <laughs> I reckon you need to shave a few seconds off your stop time. <laughs> You ain't seen enough checkered flags in your day, son. Dude, do you know how much money we would make with a NASCAR-themed Western? How would that work? I don't care. People would watch the shit out of it. All right. Starring Sarah Palin as a single mom out to make a living. Trying to make her name on the track circuit. And Ted Nugent as the coach with the brass balls. That's right. Damn it, Dixie, get your ass in my office. I'm tired of you tear assing all over this track. It ain't your personal playground. America. <laughs> yeah, and her name would be Dixie. No, sure. <laughs> it's such a great bad idea. Yeah. Oh, um, and and Rush Limbaugh as the league commissioner. <laughs> now you, you see, you see, you see what I said here. I've, I've been saying this all season. You keep driving that way, people are going to get hurt, and no one's going to stand for it. I know I'm not. That's really good. That's a really good Rush Limbaugh. Have, have you seen this? Have you seen this lately? You seen this? I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading directly right now from the New York Times. <laughs> Dixie Haystack is a menace to the motorsports industry, and I cannot have that on my watch. New York Times said that. I didn't say it. Name's Where's Dixie. my Xanax? Her name's Dixie Haystack. Yeah. <laughs> and her 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 race car is called the Barn Burner. <laughs> Dick Cheney has her disapproving father. Special appearance by Meatloaf. <laughs> he's the pit. He's the pit crew chief. Yeah. Who dies like in the third race to give everyone else a reason to to live. <laughs> So, well... Yeah, you don't have to see the movie. We just gave it to you. Yeah. If any of you guys have the the budget to make that, I guess guess it's yours. Uh, Although, I am copywriting the s*** out of Dixie Haystack. That's that's the best name ever. I would love it if Dixie Haystacks did a duet with Diggy Toots. Oh, God. You know, that country rap? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we've already got... (laughs) What if Diggy... No, it... I'm just trying to work a Rusty Wallace into it. I can't think of how. Something, something. Sounds like you're all Greg Biffled. <laughs> we refuse to let this podcast end. Oh, I guess so. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for getting through that. Uh, yeah, that gauntlet. Oh man, that was good though. That was good. That was some fun facts and some facts that were fun, and a whole lot of us dicking around. <laughs> If uh, if you got a, a subject you want us to to blather skite about, then uh, uh, go on and send it to us on blurryphotos.org. Yeah, tell us what to do. Uh, you can even you can even Facebook message us. You can YouTube message us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man, what else are we on? It uh, doesn't matter. Oh, uh, you can twerk us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can uh, you can send us send us one of those twerks. Uh, which you can find us at blurry underscore photos uh-huh. on the twerters. Uh, we're also on iTunes. 
Yeah. Find us there. Rate us. Yeah, we're on, we're on YouTube, uh, Blurry Photos Podcast. That's where you can find us at on there. Um, also, subscribe. Uh, I'm going to turn it, I'm going to crowdsource this because I'm just, I'm just not done with it. What would you entitle our NASCAR themed movie? What would, what would the title well, be? Well, wait, it's an old Western NASCAR, it's right? A, it's, a, it's an old Western NASCAR I, movie. Sarah, Sarah Palin is Dixie Haystack, a single mom trying to, trying to get her life back together and, and make her dream come true. I'd call it something like Horsepower or oh, or like Throttled. Oh, dude, Horsepower. Horsepower? You like That's that? That's f***ing brilliant. All right. You, okay, no one send anything in. Sorry, guys. Yeah. It was open, and then Dave closed it. <laughs> yeah, but if, if you like us, send us out there in the world by telling your friends. Just say, hey, uh, listen to these bum fucks. <laughs> yeah, listen to these couple of clowns. Post it on their Facebook. Email them. Uh, tie them up and, and open up their computers and, and make all the windows do stuff. Do it. You know, whatever whatever it takes. But yeah. uh, we, we appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I have anything else for this one. This is No, this I, think we've, I think we've prattled on. All right, now you got to find something else to entertain yourself with. Sorry, guys. No, no, it just means you go back and listen to that episode you skip because you're like, mm, I'm not so sure I'm interested in Gobekli Tepe. Oh, what's Gobekli Teep? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Go well, do it. Go check it out. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, huge one. Gosh. All right. Well, now you see, people, I've been telling you for months that I'm David Stecco. For months, I've been, I've been, I've been telling you this, and it's still true today. I'm David the Intimidator Flora. Tearing up him. your fellow man says to you show me god show me mercy show me benevolence show me kindness i point only to this picture i have on my wall of shakira from her 1999 world erotic tour (laughs) that i had autographed because i was able to get backstage passes by knowing trivia on a radio contest (laughs) Look to Shakira. <laughs> and the Lord says it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've written some fan fiction <laughs> about uh, uh, a woman named Shakira who joins the clergy. If you're interested, it's enlightening. <laughs> Stop that last one. That didn't work. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's true.